Hey, and welcome to the Multiply You podcast. We're in a three-part series talking all about multiplying leaders. I'm Chris Kong, church planning pastor at Glad Tidings Church in Victoria, BC. In this episode, I interview Pastor Nicole Smithy of Liberty Church in New York City. She's the founder of Iridescent Women. We're talking about multiplying leaders and how you can multiply teams. Being able to lead a team is so important because as we look to multiply leaders, they need a place not only to serve, but to be developed and released. So here it is. I know you're going to enjoy my interview with Pastor Nicole Smithy from Liberty Church in New York City. Well, thank you so much for being with us, uh, being with us here today, Nicole Smithy. It's great to have you on the podcast. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Thanks for having me. You are the co-founder and CEO of Iridescent Women, and also you are on staff at Liberty Church in New York, and Mm -hmm. you guys started in 2010. You have eight communities right now, five different locations. Why don't you tell us you recently just launched a new community? Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so I love the church that I'm a part of, and uh, I'm just a part of a really phenomenal team. So uh, my lead pastors, Paul and Andy, Andrew, they came here to New York with a dream in their heart to uh, impact major cities with the gospel and starting in New York, hence the name Liberty, Statue of Liberty, Liberty Church. And um, from the very beginning, we've been a church planning church. So uh, we do have eight different locations. We call them communities in five different cities and international now. So our first international was in Eswatini, Africa. Um, and our second that we just launched this past uh, September is Liberty London. That is our newest community. And we have some really incredible community pastors on the ground there, Johnny and Tasha Petman, who are crushing it and doing a great job. And we're so excited to be in a city like London that really does influence the world in so many ways and has a lot of similarities to New York, but a lot of differences as well. So we're figuring those out. But it's really beautiful to see the community that's forming there. A lot of college students, a lot of diversity, a lot of people who um, are just coming back to church after a really long time of being away or people who've never been to church before. And, and then certainly those who feel really called to help pioneer um, and launch and be a part of the discipleship process that's taking place at Liberty London. So it's really exciting. I can't wait to, I haven't seen the church since it launched. So I'm kind of like getting FOMO here in New York. So I can't wait to get a trip out there and see firsthand, but I keep getting these really amazing reports every week about what's going on there. And it's really exciting. Thinking back, like you've been a pastor for a while now, thinking back on your experience as a pastor, was there a moment or encounter where you thought, you know what, like, it's so necessary that we multiply ourselves as leaders? Yeah, (laughs) a lot of them. Um, Yeah, I think it's the big lesson that we never uh, stop learning and hopefully just Mm -hmm. get stronger and stronger at uh, responding to, right, and applying in our lives. But I do remember when I first started in ministry, I was 19 years old, and my first role in a local church was as an um, administrative assistant to one of our associate pastors. This was back in Los Angeles at Oasis Church. And I remember um, a lot of the tasks that I was given, I just knew right away, like intuitively, they did not match my skill set. I'm not really administrative in nature. And I mean, I didn't even know like how to check email, how to do spreadsheets, yeah. like any of that. So I don't even know how I got it hired. So I was like trying to figure out all these things, but it doesn't, it wasn't really matching my skill set. And so intuitively, I just started 
talking to people at church and, um, you know, I talked to somebody in the lobby and they, I was finding out that their job was heavily administrative. I could tell that's what they're good at. And I was like, you want to come help me? Like we've got some projects and stuff to work on. And so within like two or three months, I had built a team for the office for, um, the department that I was, you know, working in and every day there were different volunteers doing things and we get together and have lunches together. And they were working on a lot of those projects that they were naturally great at. So it gave me the opportunity then to focus on some of the things that I knew I was better at and develop those more. And so I didn't even realize at the time that that was just my leadership gift being exercised. I didn't know. I was just trying to solve a problem in front of me and I knew I wasn't the best person to solve all these problems. Um, and I'm grateful that my boss at the time noticed that and he like, wait a minute, like you're a leader, like you have a gift of leadership yeah. on your life because I've never had an administrative assistant who basically recruited a whole team in the church to do the administrative job. So she could do some more of these projects that were more like content or discipleship or starting mm -hmm. and launching things. So um, that was kind of an aha moment for me of like, wow, if I can be, a, if this is the gift that God's given me, then I can step into any space and really help develop teams. And then hopefully over time that that can become something more and I can help identify those people who really are gifted to lead as well within the teams and help them know how to create teams as well and create a multiplying effect. But that was the first time I was like, oh, like this is something that could be really great, not just for me, but for the whole church, because those people, the, the team that I was um, developing, they like loved it. Like nobody had asked them to do these things for church before. And it was what they were good at, mm -hmm. it's what they enjoyed, which shocked me. I was like, you enjoy spreadsheets like Excel? Oh my gosh, I don't, that seems so foreign to me that somebody would enjoy it, but people do, you know? And I've never really forgotten that lesson that the things, if we really do activate people um, and allow them to use their giftings and then identify the leaders within that, then we're really setting people up to win. And then there's um, there's an opportunity for people to grow and an opportunity for us to do more and do it better as a church. How do you think being a great multiplier is kind of caught or taught, or is it just kind of an innate thing? Like, can I, as a leader, encourage that in someone else or? I, yeah. I mean, I think I have to believe that it is taught and, um, I think you said taught and caught. I think it's some of it is like natural gifting that God's wired us, but I have to believe that it can be something that is taught for everybody because that's basically what Jesus was doing for three years with the disciples. And they all had very different personalities and very different giftings. I'm sure some of them were more natural leaders. Others were like, not at all. And he was, regardless of their, their natural gifting, he was equipping them so they could all lead and not just lead for the sake of a title, not at all, but lead for the sake of serving and um, really, you know, fulfilling the great commission. And they were being equipped to be disciple makers themselves. So they were disciples being trained to make other disciples. That's multiplication because disciples are always thinking about others. They're always thinking about investment. Mm -hmm. They're not just thinking about addition. They are thinking about multiplication by default of fulfilling a great commission. So I do think it's something that is, is taught. I think it's intentional. And I do think that you use that phrase caught. I think it's both. Yes. You give some really, um, uh, practical equipping for people and the tools that they need. And we're surrounded more than ever, I feel like in our day and age, to some great resources that can help us from podcasts to books to, you know, programs and classes that you can go through. Like if somebody says, I don't, there's no way nobody's giving me the tools. I can't become a multiplying leader because nobody's helping me. I'm like, that's not 
even a thing anymore that can't be like we have so much resource at our fingertips but the caught piece i think is a lot more is interesting jesus did so much of his teaching just in the context of relationship the disciples Mm -hmm. got to be with him and see how he led and see how he responded to things uh and i think we have to lean into that i think that's the harder piece sometimes is really um modeling multiplication so that people can catch that and they can know how to grow as leaders because they're seeing it modeled for them um and it's not just something that was talked about because we read a book together, but I'm seeing this in the way that my leader's leading. I'm seeing this in the way my coworkers leading. I'm seeing what this could look like in real time. Um, and I think that's where we start to see it really take effect. What part does vision play in multiplication? Um, you guys started as a church planting movement <laughs> and how does that carry on today in how, is it language? Is it, what are the pieces that kind of continue that culture of multiplication? Yeah, I would say vision is massive. And I this is where like my hat's off to uh, my lead pastors, Paul and Andy, like they really do cast this vision and then embody it and live it like it's such a part of our culture and our DNA as a church. I don't think you can uh, plant as many churches in the time that we've been alive unless you have somebody from the very top who's creating this environment that's like, this is who we are. And I Mm Yeah, I think vision leaks. I think vision is language and it's repetitive. It's to the point where like, if you're just like people, do they need to hear this again? Yes. When you're asking that question, you're probably just scratching the surface of how um, how much we need to be keeping the conversation about what is truly the vision and and multiplication is. I mean, even to the point where um, our you know, our church planning program that we have that we take um, potential church planners through is called Multiply, (laughs) like, because it's so much a part of like our culture. And uh, I think, you know, uh, that's to Paul and Andy's credit for sure. Um, I, I do think it's language. I also think it's, it's something that has to be embodied by the leader. And I think Paul and Andy both do this so well. They are church planners themselves. They started New York. They, they've Mm -hmm. come alongside every church planning couple to see new communities take shape. They're in the trenches and they prioritize this and make this a real commitment. Like our team has goals around this. Our team has conversations around this. Our team has metrics around this. So that's like, those are equally culture setting um, and not just the language you use from the top, but this is where we're going to go. It needs to really be supported by and we're going to roll up our sleeves and do it. And we're going to figure out what we need to do to do this well. And and I think that's something that we're continuing to learn and lean into even more. But that's how you, you, you really shape culture. It's language, yes, but it's also how you're spending your time. What are you measuring? Like these, these kind of very practical things that equal um, a culture of multiplication in the end. You talked a little bit about how vision leaks. We've heard that before. And But as we get into our, our teams, you know, the micro level on our teams, how do we encourage that multiplication in people who may not have, you know, ever known that this is our goal as to be a church planting church or, you know, you have a new team member coming in that that's new to Christ or, you know, how do we encourage multiplication in, in those realms as well? I think it definitely needs to be, that's a really one, that's a really great question, right? Because it's like, how do we really get, okay, here's my team member. How do I make this something that they are really owning in their way and their capacity. I do think we need to connect the dots for people. So if somebody's like, okay, well, I'm a greeter, so what world? Like that's not for me. 
really to be able to say, well, actually it is because if we're creating an environment where you're doing your job so well and you're welcoming people because you're connecting the dots, that that welcome and that smile is an expression of the gospel. And we're all about taking the gospel to these different places. And so when you're thinking about that, and if you understand that you're embodying it just as much as the one who is getting prayed for and commissioned to be the church planner, who's going to be the next campus pastor, if you can connect the dots between it, then it changes the kind of conversations you have and it changes the way that you measure success. So you're not just going, oh, we rostered for today, so we're good. But you're going, wait a minute, like my smile, my interaction with this person is spreading the gospel. I want to see this happen in other neighborhoods. So we aren't just fine with our five. Now we need more because we need to be able to send people for that next church plant. And they need to be trained to do exactly what we do and know why we do it. Like then you get passion for it. So I think a bigger question sometimes, especially in church, is like we've all been given the same uh, to some degree mission, right? We can, we contextualize it different. We put different language to it, but it's the great commission. Like it's already, I, I love that actually, when you sign up for ministry, the why's already been given to you. Like this is the goal. Um, so I, I do think a bigger issue sometimes is to go like, Hey, does our church, is our church actually passionate about the great commission? Like, and if they aren't, then that's a discipleship issue. Then that's like, Hey, we need to kind of look at what we're teaching, what we're, what, what we're celebrating. You know, somebody I just uh, was listening to, Jeff Henderson on Carrie Newoff's podcast, um, and he is a great podcast, by the way. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with that podcast, but um, he was talking about, you know, I'd rather have 10 great inviters uh, to my church than a website. He's like, people put more effort in a website, but they don't actually equip and train people to be inviters and identify those people and celebrate that because those are people with an evangelistic nature. Those are the people who are gifted in evangelism. So I think we need to lean into those things as a church. So if you're like, man, I'm having a really hard time connecting the dots, people just kind of don't want to change. They don't want to grow. They don't want to like recruit. Then it's like, okay, we might actually have a great commission issue here (laughs) and we need to really own that. And um, I also think like, I'm going to butcher how Craig Rochelle says this, but I really love that he says, hey, you can't actually point at your team and look at their flaws and go, my team does this. You have to say, I'm a leader who needs to fix this. Like there's an there's it's my leadership that has developed this. So I need to step in and I need to change culture and I need to really equip people better. So that's kind of challenging to think about. But I do think when we have an issue with multiplying, we kind of have to go, what am I doing? And how can I shift it? And how can I disciple people to really understand that the Great Commission is everyone's mission and really equip people to win in that? Are there practical steps we can take to make sure that our teams are being multiplied as they should? I mean, like there's that one you're saying like, yeah, we have to uh, subscribe to the Great Commission, right? (laughs) But are there some other practical ways that we can encourage people to like think about having a multiplication mindset? Yeah, I think we should. um, Okay, so on a very like, separate team for a second, just like a Christian going to our church, I think we have to give them vision for what evangelism looks like and what making disciples looks like. So, you know, uh, when is the last time you brought somebody to church? When's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you said, hey, can I pray for you? Um, And it was a little uncomfortable, but you did it anyway. Um, When's the last time that you responded to like just the Holy Spirit prompting? Like, I think I'm supposed to go talk to this person. This is so weird, but you did it anyway. Um, are we, are we helping people know how to share their story? Like, and I think you do that by just asking people what their story is. Like, I think if we can have a culture of testimony within the church, then it's like a safe place. Cause if you're surrounded by other Christians talking about how you came to Jesus, like you're probably not going to get booed off the stage, right? You're going to get celebrated. So it like gives people the confidence 
to go, I can share the story. The story can have an impact beyond these church walls. And I actually know how to share my story now because I've shared it and we've celebrated amongst like church community. So I think those kind of things. And then I think, um, you know, that's like the evangelism piece. I think the discipleship piece is like, okay, well, how many people do I like actually lead when it comes to them growing in their relationship with God? And we think sometimes that's only for the pastor, but like, Hey, when's the last time you led a, a small group? Like, when's the last time you you actually just said, hey, you're a new believer. I'm going to come alongside you and just support you and love you. Do you have questions? Let's go through a devotional together. Like, do you know how to read your Bible? I'm trying to figure it out too. Let's figure it out together. Like, I, I think we can help people in really practical ways by, and that to me, um, you know, I think in terms of coaching people as communicators, but I think a lot of times from the front, like we have to assume that people don't have this kind of vision or they haven't connected the, the dots like great commission equals these experiences in my life. So we have to bring up these experiences. We have to use them as examples. We have to like prep people to do the work of ministry on the daily basis. And ministry is not just Sunday when you're, you know, rostered for a team, but it's 24 seven. And what does that look like? I don't think the church always, I think sometimes our references and our examples become about our church teams and our programs, but the average person, yes, they're going to give to those things, but the majority of their hours and the majority of their time and the majority of their ministry is actually not even on the church team. Ah, it is what they do for a living in the family and the neighborhood that they live in and the family that they're part of. So we have to really support people in that. And I think the church should get really like wise to that and lean into that. And then I think on a team level metrics, um, they are important. So if you're, a, if you're leading a team, and you're trying to help people grow, and let's add to the team, and then let's become multipliers and develop leaders, then the metrics for that are not just how did we roster and were there any holes. And that is the majority of the time how people think about a win. I rostered, I, or we got, some, we got it covered. We got that slot covered. People usually don't move beyond that. And that to me is a lack then, okay, we clearly aren't multiplying here. We're having a hard time doing addition. So I think a better metric is like a bare minimum is like you showed up. It's rostered. That's cool. But but we measure success by who was added to the team, what um, what new leaders were trained this month to be team leads for that shift. Um, what what new giftings did we identify on the team and how do we position that? How did we improve our system this month based on some of the gifting um, and, and how did we try new things? And I do think it doesn't matter what role you're in, you can try new things. I really believe that. And I think if we just are, if the bare minimum of success is like we showed up and we did what we were supposed to do, then I think it's going to be stale and stagnant. And I don't think that's the kind of team that people are going to be attracted to and the type of team that they're going to want to invite other people to be a part of as well. So um, I, I would just make sure your metrics match wanting to grow and not just wanting to um, uh, maintain and then, then you have to figure out growth. And if you, you can't skip those steps, I think either, like you can't go from, um, we're just maintaining to we're multiplying. Like you have to actually then go from, okay, we're just maintaining. Let's talk about that. Or sometimes we're just surviving. So let's get to maintaining and then let's get to addition. Like we're actually, we're actually growing and we're getting healthier. And then let's really think about multiplying leaders and let's think about multiplication. But I I think sometimes we skip those steps. You need to know where you are with your team and then you need to do those things to get to that next stage of growth. Yeah, what I'm hearing too is an underlying current to what you've been talking about is like, we can't multiply outside of relationship. You know, sometimes we we set up these systems as leaders. We're like, okay, we have this system and I'm, I'm creating my roster. It's getting filled every week, but why is my team not growing? Like we can't, 
remove ourselves from that relational aspect of actually getting the, doing the work of getting in with someone and learning about them and leading them forward, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no, if I look at uh, my time in ministry and I can say like the people that I saw who were the best leaders and by best leaders, I mean, you know, it wasn't a personality, like some of them were charismatic, some of them were not, some of them were more extroverted, some of them were not. But they were the people who um, saw people first and tasks second. And it didn't mean that they lessened the demand of whatever the goal was, whatever the metrics were they were trying to hit, all of that. But they they really did go, you know, my greatest resource and my greatest responsibility and my greatest um, uh, reward, all of it is people. So it, I think there's a difference between being on a team and knowing like you're a means to an end, like you're helping this leader accomplish the mission. Um, versus being on a team and feeling like the leader is investing in me as we're accomplishing the mission together. Those are two different things. And so if you can fall in that second category of figure out how to invest in your team first um, and invest in them greatly, then you're going to see the results. Like you will see the, the fruit. And to me, that's like, hey, that's more than just getting on a phone call and saying, hey, how'd you do when you were leading this week? Did you roster everybody? <laughs> Are there any pastoral challenges with the people you're leading? That's not investing in them. That's making sure that they're doing their job. And when you're when you're a volunteer leader, you don't actually, yes, you need those kind of conversations, but more than anything, you need somebody to champion you and just invest in you. Like you're not getting, they're not getting a paycheck for this. They're giving already. So like the best thing you could give back to them is just genuine care. Even like simple things, like starting a conversation with how are you doing is huge. Not, hey, what did you do? How did the Sunday go? <laughs> no, just ask them about them and like pay attention and then follow up, you know? I mean, these are simple things, but this is where pastoring is so important. And that's what makes the church unique is we are actually pastoring people. So we need to stick to that. Um, having people be around you, like you got to like being around people as a leader, like that's, that's a trait that I see, like the people, and it doesn't mean that you're necessarily refreshed by that. Like I'm personally not like, I, I like to be alone at the end of the day. If I've been around a lot of people, I'm tired. You know, um, some people are very different. Like my husband gets energy from being around people, but it doesn't mean that just because that's my personality that I can just choose not to be around people and just send it through an email. And then, Oh, why didn't they show up? No, I got to be with people. I got to hang out with them. I got to show up. And I got to invite them into my world so that they can, that whole caught versus taught piece, so they can see multiplication in action. Um, I think those things are really, really important. And if you can care about your team members first, and especially the leaders that you're trying to develop as leaders who do this as well, if you, if you put them first, then, then they're going to get more excellent at what they do. Then they're going to be around for the tough conversations where you need to correct, where you need to um, you know, improve certain things where you need to help them stretch their capacity, then they're going to be on board for those things because they know that you care about them and you want to see their potential maximized. Yeah, that's so good. People first, task second. I'm going to take that and write it on my board. You know, that's something that we always need to keep at the forefront of our minds. And what do you think? Like, I think as multipliers, we also need to retain those volunteers that we've made. You talked a lot about, you know, pouring in pastoral care into people. Um, how do we keep doing both of those things? Like we want to, you know, pour, maybe you don't have an answer to this very question, but we pour our time into to retaining those leaders, but we also have to pour our time into multiplying others. 
Um, so do you think it's more of like a, we need to also train our leaders to be those pastoral care people as well? Like we can't, as a leader, be the only ones. We absolutely have to do that. I think great leaders um, have to have the characteristic of being humble. Because I think the reason a lot of times you hold on to stuff is because it's prideful. Like, you know, we're, we get to be the hero for people. We get to be the one. Um, th- we we know how to do it, you know. We like when, when they go, oh, and then pastor showed up, or oh, and then she was there. And, you know, when she talked about this, it changed my life. Like, we, we have to be really careful not to get fueled by that stuff. Um, because if we do, like, pride will keep teams small. Um, and, and it'll keep, you know, the lid of growth for your church, like at a real, like low ceiling, you know? So, um, I think behind that is a lot of pride to be real. At least I can identify that as I've gotten a bit older, I've gotten more humble and be like, Oh, Oh, that's why I didn't actually say no. You know, why don't you, um, invest in that person? Why don't you coach that person? Why don't you disciple that person? Like, um, a lot of times it's because I liked how it was stroking my ego when people were saying my name. So I think that's huge to just be aware of. Um, and, you know, if it's there, go, no, I'm not going to, I'm going to humble myself <laughs> and um, develop other people and recognize what other people are really great at. And there are some people who are just so relational in nature. And if you have them in a real like heavy admin spot on the team or even just, I don't know if you have them in a spot where um, it's like strategy or asking them to do these kind of things, they might not be your person. But if you say, hey, you know, our team is growing. Can you actually just make sure and have coffee with them once a month? Can you um, can you be the person that they can call when something goes down and then you can talk to me about it? Can you make sure somebody gets flowers right now because they just had a baby or that we have a meal plan for them, you know, whatever it might be. And then be like, oh my gosh, yes, I would love that. So I think it's, it's also finding those people and then really training them to do it well. Pride. It's a thing we have to all deal with, isn't it? It's, uh, I love how you said that it's the cap on some of our teams. And that's something we need to take home and say, hey, like, I need to empty myself from this situation and actually empower other people to do yeah. what they're called to do and fill that great commission role, right? We can't be the only ones. You know, I, I just think we've got to get really, really comfortable at people on our team being better at us or better than us at a lot of things. And then just like really releasing them into it. So, um, you know, if, if you don't have somebody on your team, who's like crushing it in an area that you would just do mediocre, then I'd say that's, that's a warning sign. Like really surround your team with people who have a skill set that is, is amazing and that they enjoy and are great at the things. And I think it's easy. You know, I talked about my example when I was like 19, it's easy to give away the things you don't enjoy doing, or you don't see as like the great yeah. things. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's easy. That's there's no pride involved in that. It's like, yes, please take this off my plate. I didn't like doing it anyway. But what about the things that you enjoy doing? Um, but maybe somebody, maybe you've maxed out and it's time for you to release some of that so other people can can meet those needs. Or um, maybe it's something you really enjoy doing, but that person's better at it. Like, you know, I mean, okay, case in point, like um, social media, like people I, I've seen uh, I've seen pastors and people in departments hold on to social media because they're like, no, 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 I, I know social media. I'm great. And like every person who is like under 40 thinks they know everything about social media now, you know, so like I'm an expert because, you know, I have an account and it's growing and it's like, 
okay. And maybe at one point that's great, but honestly, you're just building something that matches your personal preference and it's going to hit a lid, but there is somebody on your team that's actually skilled in this area. And if you release it to them, they have the strategy, they have the skill set. They, they are actually more in touch and more available than you are to really care for people in that vein and make it in community engagement. Um, but you just got to let go of ego and be like, oh, okay, cool. And then watch it grow or whatever, you know, and that's just one aspect. And certainly social media doesn't replace face-to-face connection, but just an example, I think of where people hold things tightly instead of release and then see things grow. One last question I have for you, moving beyond kind of the strategy or the philosophy of multiplying, what are a couple of practical steps we can do to ensure that our team leaders are really multiplying themselves? Like I'm having my one-on-ones with team coaches and that kind of thing. What are a couple of practical ways that I can make sure they're, they're growing and multiplying? I think when you're coaching them, it's, it's being really intentional about the conversations. Um, and it's also, Uh, So I think it's intentional coaching and I think it's an intentional um, uh, inspecting, so to speak. And and what I mean by that is like, um, if somebody's like, oh yeah, I'm totally training these leaders. Have you ever watched them train somebody? That's inspection. And and so it's just like, you know what I mean? And and even letting me know, hey, I'm going to stop by this this week. I want to see you in your element. Is that cool? I want to watch, you know, and then maybe we can debrief and talk about it. Like, I, I think if there's somebody that is on, if that person that you've put in a leadership position really has a heart to grow, they're going to get excited about that. They might be a little nervous, but they're going to get so excited. Like, I'm going to get feedback. This is amazing. Um, And then I, and I don't think we do that enough. I think we put leaders in place, we trust them. And then we're like, do your thing and then come talk to me about it. But you never actually watch them do it. A coach does not do that in a sport, right? Like they would be the worst coach ever. So we're going to talk about what you're going to do during practice. But yeah. I'm just going to sit here and then you tell me how the game went and then we'll talk about it and I'll help coach you. Like, no, you actually are going to be watching them play the game and that's how you're able to coach them well. So I, I certainly don't think we have to do that every time or then that's like the opposite problem where it feels like you don't trust me, you're not releasing. But I do think we have to have those times where we are present to watch people lead, not to lead instead because I'm here now, I'm stepping in, but to like watch observe, listen, and then um, you're going to learn a whole lot more about teams when you actually just show up. You're going to learn about culture. You're going to learn about the true health of a team. You're going to see their strengths and weaknesses as leaders just by being present every now and again, and then having some really great feedback about that. Um, And then I think the intentional coaching piece kind of goes side by side with that. But I think we've got to be like, what kind of questions do we ask is really important beyond the how are you doing really? conversation and making room to just talk about them as a human being first and encourage them and love on them and all that, then you've got to be really intentional about what kind of questions you're asking. Um, And to do a lot of asking and do a lot of listening. I think we're prone in a leader role to be like, cool, you're great. Okay, so here's the agenda. Here's what we're going to talk about. And they we do the majority of the talking and they take notes and now they know how to do their job better. And that's really bad. That doesn't make leaders, you know. Uh, Jesus didn't do that with his disciples. Jesus was great at asking questions. He would ask questions a lot of times, sometimes to the point where it frustrated the disciples because they just wanted an answer. They would ask a question. He would ask a question back. But it was because there was such value in the dialogue. And I think that there's really a value in asking questions and listening and then letting the dialogue take shape. So um, I think as a rule of thumb, if you're going to multiply leaders, do a whole lot more listening and ask really good questions. So instead of like, hey, how'd Sunday go? You know, it's like, all right, well, tell me about like one. um, uh, Tell me about one standout moment on the team this weekend. What was that? You know, 
if there's one thing that you would want to do better this go around, what would it be and why? Um, tell me uh, how much, uh, what, what's one interaction you've had um, with a potential leader um, this past month? Tell me more about that. And what did you learn about them on the process? And how did you encourage them? Did you give them any feedback? Those kind of things. Like now we're having conversations about how to lead. We're not just having conversations about how to roster. <laughs> Um, or how to execute a task. So I think we just have to get really, really um, smart about the kind of questions we have, because if you can start asking more and more of those types of questions, um, then you're going to be, you know, that's how people learn judgment. They go, that's what leadership is really about. It's so much more than just rostering people. And it's so much more than just showing up if somebody can't make it. <laughs> it's it, investment in people. It's forward motion. It's owning culture. It's It's those kind of things. So I think that's a real practical way to to help develop leaders underneath you. Yeah, what I'm hearing is, you know, you don't multiply unless you're intentional. You know, oh, it's like everything so we do has to be so intentional versus setting it and forgetting it. You know, you can't do that with leadership and expect great results. I think, yeah, and it needs to be something that, like, it's a paradigm shift for you um, because if it's just like, I got to do my job. And if I have extra time on the side, I'll develop leaders. Uh, Then that's, even though that might feel intentional to you, like it's, you're not going to develop leaders. It's Mm -hmm. developing leaders is not a project. It's just how you do your job. It's, it's, it should be integrated in everything that we do. And so that's where I think it's, it's a real paradigm shift and it's, it's changing the way you lead meetings. It's changing the way you do one-on-ones. It's changing how you spend your time. It's, it's at the end of the day, how you measure success wasn't just, I completed all 10 things on my list. It's the people that I, I brought alongside to, to teach. They know how to do some of these things now. There's, there's been some aha moments this week on the team. Mm-hmm. We've had some growth, not just in our numbers, but also in our potential leaders. Like That's, that's where I think it, it can't be compartmentalized. It can't be like, okay, so I have projects I work on. I have my meetings. I have my pastoral lunches and I have some strategic thinking around leadership development. It's like, no, all of it should be leadership, you know? So that's a shift though. And I think once you get that and you start making that more of a rhythm and that's how you're thinking about it, then it is intentional. But then over time that becomes your norm and that's like a really sweet spot. But I think it takes quite a while of being disciplined about making sure leadership is something that you do in everything that you do. Um, to create that kind of culture, even for yourself. We start with with leadership development. We don't add it as a side project. Um, Nicole, I want to thank you so much. That's all the time we have for today. But I want uh, everyone listening to go and follow Nicole at Nicole Smithy on Instagram. Go to iridescentwomen.com and check out what they're doing. Amazing resources for women. And I'm just so excited to see what's happening there. It's a growing fan base. And so check it out. And I just want to thank you so much, Nicole, for your time today. It's been invaluable, and I believe that many people are going to be blessed by the little nuggets of wisdom that you had for us today. Uh, it's been just an amazing time. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's just an honor to be chatting with you, and I love what you're doing. And you asked some really great questions, which to me is always a cool sign of a, um, a pretty a smart leader. So thank you, Chris. It's been awesome to be with you. I hope you found our interview as inspiring as I did. I love Pastor Nicole's wisdom. We have to move past the act of simply rostering our teams and work towards leadership development across the board. I encourage you, check out Nicole's website at iridescentwomen.com. Find her on Instagram at, at Nicole Smithy, Smith with two E's. 
You can subscribe to the Multiply You podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please feel free to leave us a review. Check out the show notes. I've created a list of resources I know are fitting for this topic. And in the next episode, I interview the co-lead pastors of Slate Church in Waterloo, Ontario, Brandon Richardson and Luke Becker. We're going to be talking about multiplying leaders and a results-based leadership focus. And as we say goodbye today, would you ask yourself, what's one thing I can do this week to better multiply you? We'll see you soon.